We are Daniel chapter 10. Uh, and before we get into that, though, let's pray. Father, we thank you for this morning. We thank you for your word. We thank you, Lord, that it, that it is your day. We say Sunday is your day, but really, we acknowledge they're really all your days. And we can say any day that this is the day that the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. Uh, and yet, not all days feel like that, Lord, and we get questions and we get nervous and we get concerned, kind of like Daniel, Lord, we want to see this morning through your word how Daniel handles it and what made him uh, exceptional enough that he need be mentioned, uh, he need be written about, and you preserved his story in the word for us to have today. Uh, show us the value in that, that we might be able to take things out of here. Uh, be more like him and more like what you've called us to be. And so, Father, we pray uh, your spirit would guide our time to your glory in honor of your son. It's his name we pray. Amen. Amen. Uh, Daniel's a book where you've got uh, four boys and they and a lot of stories with kings and they're in grave danger a bunch of times. Uh, and they in first six chapters or so, everything works out. Uh, you, you're convinced that... It's not going to work out. You think your favorite characters are going to die, and they don't. Uh, they live. But then we get to the second half uh, of Daniel, and it's like the characters all start to disappear. Uh, really, uh, last chapter, Daniel was really the only character human uh, besides God. And, and, of course, God's always a character, no matter the passage. Amen? Uh, but uh, a couple of angels. And now pretty much uh, 10, 11, and 12, we're really only going to get Daniel. Uh, we'll have some angels uh, that show up, and we'll have some visions, and God will speak, and those kind of things. But uh, pretty much, Daniel's on his own. Uh, maybe you feel like that at times. You feel like you're on your own, and it's just God, and an angel would be nice, but you know they don't seem to come. Uh, so we get to see how Daniel handles it. Uh, and Daniel's been through a lot. Uh, he's older. He's wiser. He's had a lot of great experiences with God. He's had a lot of poor experiences with people. Um, and how does he handle it? Uh, and this, this story gets, is going to get a little bit weird and it's going to, it's going to end kind of like, wait, it's over. Uh, but that's okay. Cause I think there's some good stuff to come from it. You ready? Uh, Daniel chapter 10, verse one in the third year of Cyrus, king of Persia, word was revealed to Daniel who was named Belshazzar, Belteshazzar, right? Uh, he was given that name uh, by Nebuchadnezzar a long time ago, many chapters ago. You know, we haven't heard that name in five chapters. It's kind of interesting to to remember. Uh, he's he's still living in a country where they've given him the wrong name, uh, and and kind of there's a little implication. The writer wants you to remember that he's still in exile. He's still in captivity. Uh, the third year of King Cyrus is not necessarily that significant. Uh, specific to that one year, but it is significant in that, you know, we've had several kings now. We've got this progression and none of them are from Israel. None of them are Hebrew. Uh, none of them are Jews. They're they're all secular kings. And it's it's like, yeah, there's a new king, but it's still a secular king and when will there ever be hope? Uh, side stories that are going on right around now with, with Cyrus is, you know, in books of Ezra and Nehemiah, we start to hear the idea that 
uh, they're getting permission. Some of the exiles, a small number of them are getting permission to go back to Jerusalem, rebuild the temple, rebuild the wall. We're going to reestablish Israel. And yet we're going to hear none of that in Daniel. Uh, all, all these other characters and great stories, by the way. We did Nehemiah by, you know, in our church a while back, several years ago. And I think it's still up there if you want to go back and listen to it. Uh, great stories, but no mention of Daniel. And so you kind of got parallel stories going on. It's like, why don't they cross? Uh, and we're going to get into that in a little bit, you know, probably at the end. Uh, last fill-in, you know, what, what's going on with the two timelines and why aren't they crossing much? Um, but here we have Daniel. Cyrus is king of Persia, but probably still, ha- uh, still has Darius the Mede uh, in in kind of like a sub king role, he's he's king of that area, but King Cyrus is the big king. He's just the Mede gets to have you can have control over here, but you know you still answer to me. Uh, so that can get a little bit confusing. But a word was true, and it was a great conflict. He he has this word revealed to him. The word is true, and it's a great conflict. So he's troubled by it. And he understood the word and had understanding of the vision. In those days, I, Daniel, was mourning for three weeks. I ate no delicacies, no meat or wine entered my mouth, nor did I anoint myself at all for the full three weeks. That's a very long explanation for what is he doing? He's fasting, right? And then then maybe going beyond fat. He's not even anointing himself. I mean, he's just, whatever happens with my body is going to happen with my body. Three weeks. Is that that a long time? Okay. Hands down. No raising your hands. Have any of you even done three days of fasting? Okay. Don't convict yourself, right? Hands down. But what would that experience be like? After three days, how do you think you're feeling? No bathing, no eating, no drinking. I mean, not good. He goes three weeks. Why? Is it that great a conflict? He's so distraught, upset stomach, nerves, whatever going on because of what he's seen and and what he's afraid of? Uh, Could be. Uh, Could be that he's so excited about the visions and the regular interaction with God and angels that he's having, that he's fully content. I don't need to eat. I don't need to anoint myself. I, I'm just going to wait on the Lord, see what he does. Uh, two pretty cool options. Maybe one's better than the other. Doesn't really say, but what we know is it's been three weeks. Okay, Hold on to that, put it in the back of your head, and, and we're going to draw it out in a little bit. Okay, on the 24th day of the first month, as I was standing on the bank of the great river, that is the Tigris, I lifted up my eyes and looked, behold, a man clothed in linen with a belt of fine gold from Uphaz around his waist. His body was like beryl, his face like the appearance of lightning, his eyes like flaming torches, his arms and legs like the gleam of burnished bronze, and the sound of his words like the sound of a multitude. Scary. And I, Daniel, alone saw the vision. 
For the men who were with me did not see the vision, but a great tremble, uh, great trembling fell upon them, and they fled to hide themselves. They couldn't even see what was going on, but they could sense the intensity was so strong that not even being able to see it, the vision, or anything, they just go, uh, it's too much for me, we're out of here. Those are the only humans that we had a shot at hearing from, seeing in the story, and now they're gone. Uh, but how intense must that be? They can't even see it, but they know, i, I got to get out of here. And so Daniel's alone. You know, his buddies or his group that's with uh, have abandoned him. But I was left alone and saw this great vision, verse 8, and no strength was left in me. My radiant appearance was fearfully changed and I retained no strength. No strength. Strength twice. Didn't, didn't we sing about strength just a couple minutes ago? And I will get my strength on the, under the shadow of your wings. Right? He's out of strength. Song says we get our strength from the shadow of God. Right? Watch this. Then I heard the sound, verse 9, and then I heard the sound of his words. And as I heard the sound of his words, I fell face down. Wait, no. I'm sorry. That was the song, right? I fell on my face in deep sleep with my face to the ground. We sang about that. What does it sound like is happening here? Yeah, he fainted. Boom, face down. You know, he can't even retain his strength in the presence of this vision from God. Verse 10, and behold, a hand touched me and set me trembling on my hands and knees. He, he's face down, he's out of energy, no strength, but then God or his messenger touches him. All of a sudden, oh, I got some energy, I can get on my hands and knees now. Right? And he said to me, oh, Daniel, man greatly. Okay. Probably needed to be reminded of it. I would argue he's been afraid during the fasting, not content. I think he's learning to be content, but I think he's still afraid. Why? Because he had to be reminded that he's loved. And in a second, he's going to be reminded not to fear. Okay? Understand the words that I speak to you and stand upright. Did we sing about standing too? We did. Whether we're on the ground, on our hands and knees, or we're standing, where does our strength come from? It comes from God. God tells him, stand up, either directly or through a messenger. For now I have been sent to you. And when he had spoken this word to me, I stood up trembling. Then he said to me, fear not, Daniel. For from the first day that you set your heart to understand and humbled yourself before your God, your words have been heard. And I have come because of your words. God hears his words. That's a pretty cool statement there. In the midst of all of this that's gone on in Daniel's life, there, there, there could have been the question, does God hear me? I doubt that Daniel doubted that. He'd had enough experiences at this point, although he may be afraid or forgotten that he's loved, he knows that God hears him because God's been hearing him. Maybe he needs a little reminder, but not a big reminder. 
Verse 13. The prince of the kingdom of Persia withstood me how long? Do the math, folks. Three three weeks? Huh. It's just random three weeks. That, uh... Guys, does the Bible do random? You are so awesome. I had to ask first service twice. I only have to ask you once. Bible doesn't do random. Because God doesn't do random. You, have you ever thought about that? If God's in control of all things, knows all things, ever present, He doesn't do random. He does purpose. Amen. Yeah, that is a good amen. You, you know what? I would love to know. This is one of those little questions I want to write down somewhere and kind of retain with me somewhere so that when I get to heaven, I can pull out my list of questions and go, hey, why, why was there fasting for three weeks by Daniel in unison with your three-week battle with the prince of Persia, whatever that means? What was the significance there, God? Because I know you don't do random. But in the midst of Daniel's fasting, there's a spiritual battle going on somewhere else. And at the end of the three weeks, it's implied they win the battle and then they come to talk to the guy that was fasting three weeks. Whoa. Does that make you want to fast for three weeks? (laughs) 21 days. But Michael, one of the chief princes, came to help me. For, for I was left there with the kings of Persia. Michael shows up. Ooh, Michael Jordan's on the scene. Nope, not Michael Jordan. Which Michael is this? Anybody guess? We ran into Michael several different times. Well, let's just say this. We have never run into Michael, the archangel, several times. We have heard about Michael, the archangel, because he heads the forces of the angels. In most of the stories, that's what we hear about him doing. Uh, when it's time for the angels to go to war, Michael's there, he's leading the charge. He shows up here, but does it say he's uh, an angel in this story? It says he's a prince. So can we know for sure? Can we know for sure? No. We, can we know for sure? No. Oh my goodness, folks. Say no really loud, ready? Can we know for sure? No. Okay, thank you. But it's implied, and we can go with the implication. You see... They talk about the kings of Persia at the end, but then they also reference princes in the same sentence. So princes can't be the same as kings. Michael, who we think is an angel, is referred to as a prince, but they say they're at war with the prince of the kingdom of Persia. Might this be a demon or some kind of spiritual force? It might be. But there's some kind of spiritual thing. That's why I'm explaining that going on at the same time as this 21 days of fasting. Michael, when Michael shows up, do you think it's as significant that Michael shows up at the end of 21 days and then they win? They won't win before. As soon as Michael the archangel shows up, all of a sudden they win, right? Which I kind of like that. But I wonder if the 21 days of fasting goes on and after 21 days of fasting, Michael gets to show up. I don't know if he gets to or... but there might, there might be some significance of those things tied together somehow, which we can never really know. Amen? And we need not know how it works. We must need know it does work. Okay? Not the how, but that it does. Right? Uh, and 
verse 14, and came to make you understand. I left there and came to help you understand what is to happen to your people in the latter days. For the vision is for days yet to come. And when he had spoken to me according to these words, I turned my face toward the ground and was mute. What just happened? Turn my face to the ground and I'm mute. Right? Does that sound like something that happened earlier? Yes. Yeah, he might be fainting again. Right? And behold, one in the likeness of the children of man touched my lips. Then I opened my mouth and spoke, and I said to him who stood before me, O my Lord, by reason of the vision, pains have come upon me, and I retain no strength. How can my Lord's servant talk with my Lord? How can I talk to you, Lord? And I am your, you are the Lord, I am the servant. How can your Lord's servant, me, speak to you, Lord, if I have no strength, I'm on the ground face down, I can't even speak. How can my Lord's servant talk to my Lord? For now no strength remains in me and no breath is left in me. I can't even breathe. Which begs the question of simple folk like me. Well, if you can't breathe, how are you talking? (laughs) Right? That's the one we do. When I tickle the kids and they're like, Dad, I can't breathe, I can't breathe. Well, how are you talking? You must not be tickled enough. Uh, It's a microcosm of angel interaction. right? Uh, Angel small talk, right? That's how it works. Um, so he's got nothing. I can't even breathe. I can't talk. I got no strength. I'm face down. Verse 18. And again, one having the appearance of a man touched me and strengthened me. And he said, O man, greatly fear not. Peace be with you. Be strong and of good courage. Here's where I would argue that Daniel was a little freaked out because he had to be reminded, be strong and of good courage. And as he spoke to me, I was strengthened and said, let my Lord speak for you have strengthened me. And then he said, do you know why I've come to you? It's a great, great question because it's not going to get answered right here. Or is it? But now I will return to fight against the prince of Persia. And when I go out, behold, the prince of Greece will come. They said, we got to finish the prophecy. Because you're living in the time of Cyrus, the Persian, which means my prophecies are coming true. But I got to go and I got to finish off Persia. Because we're going to bring in the Greeks later. But I will tell you what is inscribed in the book of truth. Hmm. There's a book of truth? You know there's a book of truth? Huh. You you didn't know there was a book of truth? Huh. You must not have the corner on truth then, do you? And no one else must have it either. Book of truth resides with who? Yeah. He decides what's true and what's not. There is none who contends by my side against these except... Michael, your prince. And may the Lord bless the reading of his word. Amen. Amen. Do you know why I've come to you? Not an answer. Do you know why I've come to you? I got to go. I got to go deal with Persia. And then I'm going to bring the Greeks later. Bye. What? He wants answers. 
He's nervous. He's seeing a vision. You know, last time there was a belt in a vision, we kind of got to know what it meant. Last time there was fiery things or metals in a vision, they were, they were at least a little explained. We, we get zero explanation. Other than, there's an angel here. There's a message from God. But there's no specifics. You would get very caught up in our vision of future. What's future going to look like? You know, for Daniel, he might have been caught up in the, you know, we, we were under Assyrian rule, then we were under Babylonian rule, but then you brought in the Mede and, now, and, the, and the Persian, and, and I know you're going to bring the Greek, so you're, you're falling through in all your word, Lord, but when, when's this going to end? How, how much longer does this go? And really... I, didn't Jeremiah say 70 years? I mean, we talked about that last chapter, chapter 9. The prophecy is that this is supposed to end. And so he's asking those questions, and he's, and he's probably wondering, the vision of the future. It's the same thing that we get caught up in. Where am I going? Where's my family going? Where's my job going? Where's my money going? Where's my calendar going? Where's my relationships going? Where's my future going? I want answers. You want answers? I think I'm entitled. You want the truth. You can't handle the truth. <laughs> Brilliant writing. And I, I half think they stole it from this passage. Because you got, I, I think what Peter called, and I think rightly so, angelic small talk. There's no real answers. Hey, do, do you know why I'm here? What do you think about that? I got to go. I know you want answers. I know you want the truth. Uh, I'm going to go deal with the truth, the book of truth, and we're going to deal with it over there in Persia, and we're going to bring the Greeks out. But you, yeah, have fun. Stay here. You want to know about the future? No. Daniel gets very little. But I want to make sure we catch what he does get, okay? Because I've, been spe- I've spent all my time so far with you talking about what's missing. And it's kind of symbolic because we spend our lives that way. Worried about what's missing, talking about what's missing, rather than what do you have? What is there? Daniel, verse 12 and put it at the top of your outline. Pull it out. Take a look. Then he said to me, fear not. Or you can look up top here. It's up there too. Fear not, Daniel, from the first day that you set your heart to understand and humbled yourself before your God. Your words have been heard. I stopped you. said, hey, his words have been heard. How cool is that? And I have become because of your words. Would you like God to hear your words? In the midst of you wanting your answers and wanting to know your future and hey, what's going to happen, all that kind of stuff, you want to be heard by God. And there's an equation in there, I think. And so we'll spend our time on verse 12 because the rest of it's too convoluted and obscure to have real answers. But I love what the verse says. I love that it says, set your heart to understand, right? Set, when you set your heart to understand and humble yourself before your God, that's when he came, right? But watch what he says. 
from the first day that you set your heart? When did it start? The moment, day one, the moment you decide to start turning, God, I want to understand you from that day. So we're to set our heart to understand future? No. Today. Now. Right? You can put either word in there. Okay? Where there's no test at the end. We're set to understand who, what is God doing today, not future. We have this vision for the future. We want to know the future. We want answers to the future. What's God going to do? Hey, you know, the four horses. What, what is that about? And the bull judgments. And the, when's the tribulation and the antichrist and all that stuff. And, you know, people want to take all that stuff out of this book and Revelation and a couple other obscure passages. And you know what? They're all allegory. They're meant to be confusing so that you will be confused. Oh, my goodness. You didn't even go to seminary. <laughs> because God wants us to understand tomorrow. He wants us to understand today. You know, and, and the funny part about understanding today is you can't really fully understand today until tomorrow. I mean, our ability to look backwards is much better than our ability to look forward or be clear even now. But it says from the day that you set your mind to understand, from the day that you humbled your heart before your God, See, we're meant, we're meant to understand. But there's a whole bunch we're meant to understand later. When later happens on that day, it will be today. And, and then you can understand it. But it's almost like the answer to the question that the angel asked Daniel, do you know why I've come? was already answered back in verse 12. I've come so that you know you're heard. I've come to encourage your process of understanding and humbling yourself. I've come so that you value relationship with the Lord rather than answers. So one, set your heart to understand today. And then two, your approach to future and God is humble. Your approach to future and God is humble. You know, this idea that we humble ourselves before God, we kind of get that. We've heard that. We've, we've got a little bit of an approach to that. You know, yes, God's bigger than me. Yes, I pray to God. Yes, I trust God and the whole thing. But you know, this, I want to introduce, I think, what's in the passage, this idea of humbling yourself to the future. Future is going to happen. It's going to happen no matter what. It's going to happen outside of your understanding, outside of your control. And, and you are kind of subordinate to God's version of future. And, and maybe you'll get a hint. Maybe you can influence a little bit. But for the most part, we have to be resolved to humble ourselves to the future and to God. And, you know, Daniel's been doing it and he's been doing it ad nauseum. He's getting really good at it. He knows some things are going to happen, but he doesn't know exactly what they are. He knows God's going to do them, but he doesn't know when he's going to do them. And yet Daniel follows. He keeps doing what he's supposed to be doing. And the reason we know that is because the commentary of the angel. You, there was a day long ago when you set your heart. 
Now, the question I have, was it 21 days ago? Was there something special about 21 days ago you decided to be a little more intense, a little more purposeful? You're going to stop eating, stop doing that today. You're going to dedicate time and energy a little more towards God. And, and during that time, your words were heard more clearly. I don't know. It doesn't say. Could it be both? It could be. But it's this idea that when we push towards God, we get more from Him, but it might be different than the more we wanted. And I, and I love that He gets this answer. Hey, we started listening to you. You've been heard because you're on the right path. And it hasn't happened yet. In fact, we've got to leave. We've got to do a deal with the Persian. We're going to bring in the Greek. But... At the same time that he's hearing this, now I want to know, where are the parallel stories? Because in the midst of all this, probably Ezra, Nehemiah, that group, they're getting permission from the king. They're starting to talk, at least plan. Maybe they've left, who knows, to head off and go redo Jerusalem. The walls, the temple, and yet here sits Daniel. And in the next two chapters, you will hear nothing about Jerusalem. It's almost as if Daniel says, I'm content right here. I wonder, I want to know, was he offered a shot at going back to Jerusalem? Maybe he's too old. Maybe he didn't want to travel. You know, it's it's hotter there. I don't know. (laughs) Cool breeze off the ocean. I'm going to get a catch of cold. I I don't want to walk that far. I don't want to ride that far. I don't know. But there is some level of contentment where he just says, no, I'm good. He's content with today. He was contenting. Scott, that's not a word. Contenting. It should be. We say he is content. How'd she do? Oh, she was content. How are you? I am content right now. It's a, it's a description that we use with the verb, like I am, he was, right? I think content should be made into a verb. Because being content is a decision of your head and your heart. Contenting is an action. I think it would be better represented as a verb. See, I think what Daniel's doing is he's saying, no, I have today. I have the things that God's given me today. I have the things that I understand today. And I am contenting on those things. Tomorrow will happen. And I know that God's in control of tomorrow. But for now, I'm doing today and I'm doing content. And I'm going to do it the best that I can. Because the angel told me that I'm loved, I'm heard, and I don't need to be afraid. Which means we need not fret the yet. It rhymes, so there you go. Um, third and last, and, and probably maybe the heaviest on this one. We have to trust there's more going on than you. I think that might be the clearest message that Daniel gets in this visit. In a visit where he really, he, he, he really gets very little. 
But we get some description of this. There was a 21-day thing over here and a 21-day thing over there going on simultaneously. Yeah, do we get any explanation, definition, clarity? Nope. Hey, we were with the princes of the kingdom of Persia. Michael and I, you know the prince? Wait, do you want to clarify that a little? Give me a little understanding. Nope. Just need to know, Daniel, there was more going on with the 21 days than you knew. There's more going on with the princes and in Persia than you know. There's more going on with us in the future with the Greeks that you don't know. And as to why I look like this with this scary description standing by the river, the Tigris, you don't get to know. But in all of that, here's what you really need to know. There's way more going on than you could ever imagine. Why would you want to know anymore? You couldn't handle the truth if you had it. You couldn't control it if you knew about it. But you do know God. You do have access to him. You've been turning the right direction to get close to him. And so I'm giving you a little more understanding. And I'm showing you how to be humble, content in the moment today. It's impressive. Talked to somebody this week. They said, I I, I really don't understand it. And I kind of don't like it. But I feel called to it. As a pastor, I'm sitting there listening to him. And I'm going, yeah, I don't understand it either. I really don't know much. I just meet with me. I'll prove it. I really don't know much more than you. Okay. I mean, I know the names of some of my family members that you don't know. Beyond that, we know about the same amount. So I, I, I kind of don't understand what's going on and I kind of don't like what's going on either. Just like them. But they said calling. Calling I get. Because calling is about being in a place on a day, on a certain day, when you don't understand it, and you might not even like it, but God is pushing you a direction. And on that day, are you willing to go the steps that day that you need to take to get to a future place yet to be, and it's about days yet to come, latter days even, and he's not going to tell you. I get calling. I think Daniel got calling. We need to get calling. I mean, I folks, I, I look around the room, first service, second service today, I look around the room and I look at faces that really weren't here five years ago. I had no idea what it was going to look like. If somebody had told me that we were going to have to do two services... at some point you just got to be content with what's today I say God I only need to understand the little bit of today that you need me to understand I'll understand it fully tomorrow but help me to humble myself before my future before you before my fears 
How do, how do I put you at the top of the heap of all the other stuff? Because it is a heap. And we forget, often, we forget that God's in control. He's over all, sees all of it, orchestrating all of it. Daniel has a little experience where the angels come in and go, Hey, what's going on, dude? I, I was over there. I was doing stuff. Yeah, I can't explain that to you. Uh, but do you know why I'm here? Oh. Yeah, I'm going to have to leave. I'm going to have to do others, more stuff. But yeah, I, I can't explain that either. And uh, you'll be good, though. Off he goes. At the same time, God is rebuilding the walls of Jerusalem. At the same time, God is rebuilding a temple in Jerusalem. A nation that had been utterly destroyed is being restored and being restored through the command of a secular king. Who? Cyrus. Such an amazing story. Some people name their kids after it. In the midst of what Daniel thinks is going on, he is bombarded and overloaded with the idea that there's way more going on than he could ever imagine. And you love that. Why do you love that? You love that there's more going on. Because you know you could never control the little that you know. And if there's a whole bunch more going on, and there's a God holding it together, that gives you hope for the little bit that you have access to. Doesn't it? I, You know, Daniel is... I, I understand why people read the first half of Daniel. I'm starting to get confused why they wouldn't finish the book. I mean, I understand they won't finish the book because there's all these weird visions and there's like imagery and giants and angels but they call them princes and who knows and they don't name the kings and gosh what can i do with that they don't answer why the angel shows up do you know why i'm here but here's the thing that i love about the end of daniel and i, and I hope you'll love and i hope you'll enjoy uh, the next two chapters as we finish it out is daniel is starting to kind of drift and fade into obscurity yeah, the, the story's going to end. The book is going to end. You're going to feel like, you ever been to a movie and, and the movie, like all of a sudden it ends and you go, wait, there has to be another scene. Stay after the credits. Maybe there's an outtake. I got to see what's next. What happened to the boyfriend? Did he die or not? Oh, you ever been in a movie like that? You're coming out like, I want my money back. <laughs> More importantly, I want my two hours back. Right? Daniel's going to feel like it kind of ends like that. It kind of fades and, and there's some more imagery and, it's, and it gets really confusing and da 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 and then whew, it's over. And what I want you to see, he's not fading into obscurity. He's contenting into future. He doesn't need a bunch of grandiose and extravaganza and all. He doesn't need to be part of the rigmarole of the rebuilding and he doesn't have to stand before the king anymore and he doesn't have to interpret dreams anymore he's simply enjoying his relationship with the lord and everything that god said was going to happen is happening and he's just kind of like yeah pass the lemonade 
I don't know. They didn't have lemonade, I don't think. You know, that's best I can get. I think that's where we're supposed to head. Not fading into obscurity, but contenting into calm, peace, fear not, being loved, and understanding the little bit that we have and enjoying it while we have it. Amen? Lord, thank you. Thank you for Daniel and what you told him and what you taught him and what was written about him. And thank you, Lord, for preserving it long enough for us to be able to have it and see it. And pray, Lord, that all of that would be useful and that we learn from it and that we grow from it. Pray, Lord, that we would be people of today, that we would be content, that we would seek for only that which you want us to understand. Help us to approach all of it with humble heart, humble mind. And then, Lord, we praise you for your ability and design in overseeing all of it. We trust you. Whether we're laying down on our hands and knees or standing, we put it all before you, Lord, and we thank you for your ability to set things right. And protect us from our fears, Lord. Remind us that we're loved. Put us where we need to be. Show us our calling. If you're here this morning, you've never made that decision to follow God. You can do that and you can say it in any words that you like. You could talk to him on your own. But you could say something like this. Father God, I turn to you today and I accept your son. His death on the cross, his resurrection, his forgiveness of my sin, his ascension to the right hand of the Father, his conquering of death. I pray, Lord, that you would help me to humble myself and be your servant from this day forward. I want to be a part of all that you're doing. If that's your prayer, if that's your decision today, let us know. Tell someone. Come up after service and talk to me if you like. But help us help you as a church. That's why we're here. And then, Lord, we thank you for the offering that we're about to receive. Pray, Lord, that you would use it. That you would guide our church to be a church of today. And then, Lord, for those who are guests or visiting, pray that they would feel no obligation to give, but recognize what we do as a family. We pray this in your son's name. Amen.